Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. I'm your host, Thomas. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tonight, we'll join six longtime friends as they take advantage of the poignant moment when summer and autumn meet. Joining their lakeside evening picnic, we'll get a last chance to enjoy rowing boats and fairy lights and a tantalizing first taste of the incoming delights of autumn. Thanks to Alicia for writing this story. Tonight's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I talk a lot about my tendency of having racing thoughts that keep me awake at night, and I know that can be the case for many of you too. Sometimes these worries and concerns are fleeting, but then there are the ones that hang around and keep on replaying night after night. One great way to make those racing thoughts dissipate is to talk them through with someone, and therapy gives you a place to do just that, helping you break out of negative thought cycles and find some inner peace. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Talking to my therapist if there are things weighing heavy on my mind not only helps me sleep better, but it improves all areas of my life, and I'm sure it can do the same for you. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash get sleepy to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash get sleepy. Now, let's get nicely settled in so we're ready for a good night's rest. Ensure you're in a comfortable position, making those little adjustments if needed to get truly snug in your cozy bed. And once you're there, bring your focus to the breath. Notice the way it feels as it moves through your body. The pace of the air coming in and flowing back out. See if you can just extend those inhales and exhales a little longer, even if it's just by a second or two. This will help your body relax and settle deeper into rest. As your breathing slows and regulates, give your mind some time to acknowledge and release its various concerns. If thoughts from the day intrude, 
that's okay. Acknowledge them. Let them stay for a moment. And then release them for the night. Like an evening dedicated to old friends, nighttime is here to renew and refresh you. Mentally and physically, you deserve this time to sleep. Now, picture a lakeside getaway that is at once familiar and removed from your everyday life. You have known it almost as long as you can remember. As you arrive, the sight of it fills you with happiness, and you slip into your memories like a favorite, comfortable old sweater. This is where our story begins. As the car pulled quietly into the wide gravel driveway of her friend's lake house, Melinda could tell that she was not the first to arrive. She could see her friend's cars tucked politely off to the side, leaving room for the other guests who would be arriving. According to Jack, who was hosting, it was a group just large enough to be festive, but small enough not to ruin the cozy atmosphere. Parking in a sensible spot, she breathed a happy sigh. She was looking forward to the evening. Melinda stepped out of the car and stood for a moment, appreciating the refreshing coolness of the early autumn twilight. The air was still, and the temperature was pleasant. It was a perfect September evening. She could hear voices and quiet laughing coming from behind the house near the lake. As she turned to open her back door, where her picnic basket was waiting, a single orange leaf drifted down onto the top of the car. She stopped and picked up the leaf with a grin turning it delicately in her hand. It was a welcome sign that autumn was truly beginning. 
Melinda retrieved her basket and a soft cardigan from the passenger seat and closed the door gently behind her, turning to face the house. It wasn't a showy place. Jack's parents had owned it since before he was born. It had that unassuming, lived-in look of family homes that didn't have anything to prove. With a peaked roof, dark shingles, and brown siding, the house faded into the shelter of the trees as if it had always been there. Melinda had been to this house many times over the years. It felt like home to her, too. She followed the paving stones around the side of the house, hopping from one to the other as if she were crossing a stream. Melinda remembered how she and Jack and their other friends used to play games there years ago. When they played, there was a rule that everyone must keep to the paving slabs and nobody could touch the grass. Ultimately, somebody had always done so on purpose and some sort of water fight or other gleeful event had ensued. Now that she was grown up, the stones seemed much smaller and closer together, but she still observed the tradition out of nostalgia. As the backyard came into view, she saw Jack and two of her other friends lounging around in chairs. At their feet, there was a large plaid blanket spread across the grass. One large table and a couple of smaller ones had been placed here and there for laying out food and holding drinks. She could see her friends had already helped themselves to a large pitcher of cider that someone had contributed. As she approached them, she waved her free hand in greeting, and the others sent up a small cheer. Everyone seemed ready to enjoy this relaxing evening on the lawn. As she offered the usual greetings, Melinda walked over to the larger table and rested her picnic basket on it. Opening it up, she removed a harvest salad and a container of pumpkin cheesecake bars. Her friend Lonnie came and hung over her shoulder making admiring comments about the dessert. Meanwhile, 
William called out from his comfortable chair that perhaps they should all eat dessert first. With mock seriousness, Melinda turned and put her hands on her hips, declaring that she had taken a lot of trouble with this very healthy salad and that nobody would be skipping it in favor of dessert. Everybody laughed. Setting her empty picnic basket to one side, Melinda surveyed the rest of the table. So far, dinner was looking good. There was a plate of delicate cucumber sandwiches that were almost too pretty to eat. Another platter held a stack of elegant-looking brie and apple sandwiches. Next to those, she saw a delicious Mediterranean-style salad full of grains and greens. Jack had put out a stack of white plates. Nearby, there was a mound of neatly piled silverware wrapped in festive napkins. This was clearly to be a fancy picnic, which made it all the more delightful. Off to the side, a fire pit sat waiting. Melinda knew it would be lit when darkness fell. She almost rubbed her hands together in anticipation. Draping her cardigan over the arm of a nearby empty chair, she lowered herself to sit down, breathing an audible sigh of relief. It was as if the stress of the entire week was floating away from her. Everyday worries didn't belong at this relaxing gathering where she was surrounded by nature. While her friends carried on a conversation nearby, she leaned her head all the way back until she was looking upward at the sky. The very old trees that surrounded the lawn were in various stages of preparing for autumn. Some still had defiantly green leaves, as if in denial that summer had reached its end. Others were transitioning to whatever color they were about to become. Brown, yellow, and orange leaves were mixing into the canopy above. Here and there, a single red leaf boldly led the way for an otherwise oblivious branch, setting the tone for autumn. 
it made Melinda feel wistful, as she felt simultaneously regretful about summer's end, and excited about the upcoming season. She was pulled from her reverie by the happy sounds of the last two guests arriving. Sarah and Anne triumphantly rounded the corner and approached the gathering. As greetings were given, Sarah held a huge bag of marshmallows and a box of graham crackers over her head for all to see. Melinda smiled widely, glad that s'mores were going to be coming up when the fire was lit. She could already taste the unique combination of graham crackers, toasted marshmallows, and milk chocolate. Gazing around, she could see that it wouldn't be long until a fire would be needed. Across the shining waters of the lake, the sun was dropping low on the horizon. As if in sympathy with the season, the sky was filled with a beautiful golden and orange sunset. Warm tones reflected across the glassy surface of the water. As if on cue, Jack walked over to the back of the house and plugged something into an outlet. Like magic, the fairy lights illuminated the trees bordering the lawn. At this, the group of friends made exclamations of delight and clapped their hands appreciatively. Then, completing the romantic setting, Lonnie lit several lanterns and candles that were sitting at the end of the long table. They placed them around the group so that there was a little bit of lighting on every surface. The effect was intimate and enchanting. Now that all the guests were there, William suggested that someone simply must take out the rowing boat before it got too dark. Nobody could disagree with that idea. It was Jack's boat, so of course, he would go first. But he needed a partner. The first friend to claim the other seat was Sarah. Everyone rose from their chairs and their spots on the blanket and trooped down to the dock, where the rowboat was waiting. Before taking up her observation spot, Melinda was sure to fill her cup with cider. Chapter 
and Anna, Ronnie, and William did the same. They would take a seat at the end of the dock and enjoy the view while the others splashed around. The four remaining friends sat in a row along the dock as Jack and Sarah rode away slowly. Melinda watched the distortion of the fading evening light in the wake of the boat as they went. With each splash of the oars in the water, Jack was sending out ripples, almost as if he was waking the sleeping waters. William took his shoe off and boldly stuck his toes in the lake, but then shook them off, declaring it to be too chilly. With that decided, everyone on the dock crossed their legs or dangled them in the air above the surface. While they relaxed, they slowly sipped the tart, flavorful cider. Melinda thought about how she loved cider when it was fresh-pressed from nearby orchards. It didn't matter to her if cider was hot or cold. It was one of her favorite drinks, like pure autumn in a glass. As the sunset turned to a deepening twilight, Anna walked back to the blanket and fetched two lanterns, which she placed on the dock. Under the fresh cover of darkness, the sparse population of remaining crickets put up a plucky evening song. Connecting after months of being apart, the four friends there exchanged tales of their respective summers. After about twenty minutes, Jack returned to the dock. Then he and Sarah got out and stretched their legs, fetching a cider of their own. Seeing their chance to get out on the water, William and Lonnie took the boat for just a brief paddle. It was, after all, almost getting to be dinner time. Melinda watched the rowing boat splashing in the rising moonlight as she listened to stories of Sarah's summer trip to Mexico and Jack's hiking excursion along part of the Appalachian Trail. Then Sarah told them all about the art seminar she had attended for a week in July. Everyone had something new to share.
when the boat was safely returned and tied back up, the entire group strolled back to the picnic table to enjoy their outdoor feast. With the fairy lights, lanterns, and candles working together, their picnic space was beautifully lit and inviting. Taking turns and murmuring approvingly over the tempting sandwiches and beautiful salads, each person loaded up their plate with their choice of food, then found a comfortable seat on the blanket or in a chair. Jack hinted that in addition to Melinda's enticing cheesecake bars and the s'mores, there would be yet another surprise after dinner. With a humorous expression, he emphasized that they should definitely leave room for dessert. The picnic was in full swing now, and everyone was engaged in some type of small conversation. And of course, here in Jack's backyard, some of them fell to reminiscing about lazy afternoons and evenings of the more distant past. Cries of, do you remember? followed by tales of youthful exploits, could be heard in the garden as they enjoyed their dinner. From floating on the lake on inflatables, to reading in hammocks and building fairy villages, these six friends had spent many a memorable day in this very spot. It seemed like a perfect time to relive the fun. They were so engaged in their stories that they realized at some point that all the sandwiches had been eaten. Never mind, said Jack, there was a ridiculous amount of dessert coming. At this, he held up a finger imperiously and said he would be right back. Before he walked away, he suggested that the others make themselves useful by lighting the fire pit. The friends gladly applied themselves to this very important task each one offering strong opinions to the others about how it should be done. In the end, Lonnie and Anne ruled the day with their knowledge from scout camp. Melinda found the fire to be a welcome addition. She pulled her cardigan on as the crisp September evening began to make itself known, 
and she moved in a little closer to the flames to enjoy the warmth. The friends may have been enjoying the remnants of summer an hour ago, but there was no doubt about the change in seasons, what with the temperatures dropping the way they were doing now. A light breeze blew through the picnic area, bringing with it the smell of autumn leaves. As if they had all felt it at once, the group gathered more closely around the fire pit, pulling up chairs or sitting on their knees nearby. Melinda put her hands up to the festive little campfire and closed her eyes happily, briefly basking in its lively warmth. They heard footsteps approaching on the grass, and Jack emerged from the gloom, carrying a tray. An exclamation could be heard among the group as he proudly produced a large tray that featured several miniature pies. He happily declared that they were warm from the oven and that everyone could choose between apple and blueberry. After all, he pointed out, The seasons were now just overlapping a bit. Why not have a pie from each? Determined to get a little bit of everything, Lonnie showed impressive initiative by managing to cut each little pie down the middle using only a fork. The results were a tad messy, but nobody minded. Each person dived in with a large spoon to liberate the pie portions from their adorable little tins and scoop them onto their plate. Melinda passed around the pumpkin cheesecake bars as well so that each guest was able to sit down with a taste of every dessert. And of course, nobody had forgotten there would soon be s'mores. The pies were warm and sweet, and the crust was just right. Taking small forkfuls, Melinda closed her eyes and savoured each bite. First blueberry, as if bidding summer farewell. Then apple, feeling a small thrill of excitement about all the autumn fun that was coming. Then she pulled her cardigan more tightly around her and looked around the group as they discussed the merits of the different types of pie. 
very slowly. She ate one of her pumpkin cheesecake bars, savoring the thought of the holidays on the horizon. At that moment, Sarah leaned over to her and asked if she wanted to go and visit the old tree stump. Melinda nodded enthusiastically and set her plate at the end of the table. Then she picked up a lantern for herself and another for her friend. Nobody seemed to question why they were slipping away as they headed outside of the ring of light from the fire and disappeared down a well-worn path into the trees. They didn't have far to go. In fact, they could have made the short trip through the woods with their eyes closed. Twisting and turning at familiar places, they came upon a broad old tree stump. It was in a small clearing that was lit by the nearly full moon above. Setting down her lantern on the ground, Melinda moved her palm across the stump's rough surface until she found what she was looking for. It was their initials one mark for each of the six of them that had been carved into the surface of the dead wood long ago. Sarah ran her fingertips over them too, and then the two sat back to back on the stump, arms folded around their knees. Silently, they leaned back onto each other's shoulders to look at the moon. A small light moved across the sky, blinking, probably a plane, or maybe a satellite. Melinda and Sarah sat in companionable silence, listening to the breeze as it rustled through the leaves. Just once or twice, they could see a leaf that was fluttering gracefully to the ground. Soon, the entire floor of the woods would be ankle-deep in autumn. They both sat up when they heard an owl hooting in the darkness. They laughed and stood again. Sarah admitted she was getting chilly, and Melinda agreed that she felt the same way. Then the two of them picked up their lanterns and tripped back through the trees in the direction from which they'd come. They'd only been gone for a few minutes, 
but their forest fix had done them good. As they approached the picnic blanket and the fire pit once again, they could see that Jack had taken some of the empty dishes inside and returned with a canister of hot chocolate and a can of whipped cream. Nobody was ready to dive in just yet, however. They were all too busy making jokes about William, who appeared to be dramatically preparing to play something on his infamous ukulele. He'd had this instrument for many years, and had never learned to play anything more than a few chords. However, William seemed to find this knowledge quite sufficient to compose an endless number of comical songs. He was known to trot these ditties out at any gathering where he could get a laugh. Tonight, he promised to do improvisations. He invited people to call out topics, and then proceeded to make songs up as he went. He was really quite gifted at rhyming on the spot, and managed to deliver a few very funny tunes, one after the other. It wasn't long before everyone found themselves laughing nearly non-stop. Finally, Anne begged him to have mercy and put the ukulele away for the night. Seeing that he had accomplished his goal of entertaining the group, he bowed graciously and set the plucky little instrument aside. As the graham crackers, marshmallows, and chocolate for the s'mores were being assembled, Sarah reminded all the assembled guests of their elementary school days when they'd had to practice the recorder for school concerts. This inspired a great deal more levity, because naturally, not a single one of them had produced anything tuneful at the time. Lonnie pointed out that they should all send a thank you note to their music teacher from the era, who was now happily retired. Everyone agreed that the patient lady probably no longer allowed any recorders in her home. Someone stoked the fire, while another person handed out skewers. Soon, they were all clustered shoulder to shoulder around the fire pit, preparing to roast the marshmallows for their s'mores. 
whether they ventured to stick two or three on their skewer at a time. Each friend was determined to have the patience to roast their marshmallows the correct way. Much discussion ensued about what this entailed. The general agreement was that a perfectly toasted marshmallow would be very light brown on the outside and extremely soft in the middle. The challenge, of course, was waiting long enough for that moment to arrive, and then skillfully removing the skewer just in time, so that the marshmallows didn't blacken, catch fire, or worst of all, fall off the skewer. Regardless of their years of experience, they had varying levels of success. Many laughs were had when that perfectly toasted marshmallow didn't make it to the cracker before falling victim to gravity. Melinda applied great concentration to this task, Keeping her gaze focused on the skewer, she turned it ever so slowly over the dancing flames. Although she was fixated on her marshmallow masterpiece, the crackling fire in the background was enormously soothing. She almost felt herself getting sleepy but she was determined not to burn her treat. Some in the party were more successful than others at this task, but luckily there were extra marshmallows to pass around. Eventually, at the point when everyone's face was a bit too warm, and their fingers were covered in liquefied marshmallow. Each friend had their long-awaited s'more. Two or three perfectly roasted marshmallows, sandwiched between graham crackers with a thick slab of chocolate. Having popped the last piece of her s'more in her mouth, Melinda headed over to the table for a cup of comforting hot chocolate. Opening the thermos, she carefully tipped the steaming drink into one of the small mugs her host had provided. Then she uncapped the can of whipped cream and artfully dispensed a generous dollop on the top. Some clapping ensued behind her, and she turned to display her artful beverage to the group. As she left the table, others gladly rose to follow her example. 
Jack had put a pile of soft blankets nearby, and Melinda realized she could really use one now to ward off the evening temperatures. Carefully carrying her hot chocolate in her left hand, she picked up one of the blankets in her right. Then, crossing the plaid picnic blanket, she claimed one of the empty chairs and sank gladly into its embrace. She set down the cup on a small nearby table and pulled the blanket almost all the way up to her nose, snuggling under its protective cover. The chairs were made for reclining, and so that's what she did. As her friends sorted out their own cocoa and chose new places to sit, she noticed the contrast between the cold air that was nipping her nose and the warmth where she was slowly exhaling under the blanket. She smiled to herself and slipped her nose under the blanket to warm it up. Peering up into the sky, she tried to identify a constellation. She had never been very skilled at doing so, but she was pretty sure she could spy the Big Dipper. Turning her head to the side, she saw that Anne was doing the same thing. As if reading Melinda's thoughts, Anne pointed skyward and said, Look, the Big Dipper. Across the blanket, William had picked up his ukulele once again but this time he was just plucking away a nameless and pleasant little tune. It was a perfect complement to the slowing activity of the evening. William finished his song, and Sarah made a sound that implied she had almost forgotten something. Reaching into her bag, she pulled out a box of sparklers. A small cry of appreciation went up from the lounging group. She explained she had been left with a box at the end of her 4th of July party, and had thought that the sparklers would be a festive way for them to mark the end of the summer season together. Getting a brief second wind, the drowsy friends left their chairs and made their way to her outstretched hand, each taking a sparkler. 
Melinda regarded the slim stick held lightly by her fingers, and was flooded by the feeling of pleasant nostalgia. Sparklers had been a part of every summer she could remember as a child, marking the end of many a fun outdoor celebration with friends and family. In fact, she was sure, on many occasions, these very people around her had lit sparklers at the same parties ten or fifteen years ago. Each person held their stick briefly in the flames of the dying fire. Then, Jack, Anna, Sarah, Lonnie, William, and Melinda spread out across the moonlit grass, stepping into the shadowy parts of the clearing. Dancing in circles, they created vanishing arcs of light in the air as the tiny white sticks burned with glorious brightness. Each sparkler was like a happy conclusion to a party, a season, a year, and each brought on a trove of wonderful memories, especially those from the lake. When the sparklers had burned out, everyone pulled a blanket over their shoulders, acknowledging that it really was getting very dark and rather cold. Unanimously, if reluctantly, they agreed that this might be the perfect way to wrap up their autumn dinner picnic. Soon, the baskets were repacked with empty serving plates. The blankets were folded up, and the fire had been completely extinguished. The departing friends walked back around the side of Jack's lake house. A front porch light cast a warm and helpful glow on the driveway, where they all stood saying their goodbyes and promising to get together again very soon. Perhaps a Friendsgiving meal in November, one person suggested. Or how about a winter gathering with ice skating on the lake? another offered. Definitely a spring garden party, a third friend added. They laughed at their promises. They knew that it might take some time, but they would eventually get together again. After all, 
that was the way it always worked. Later that night, Melinda lay snuggled in her cozy bed. She breathed deeply, enjoying the refreshing autumn air that crept through a small crack in her open bedroom window. The breeze was picking up outside, and it rustled the leaves on the maple tree next to her window. As she descended into that drifting state that exists between waking and sleeping, Melinda felt like the wind was a friendly messenger. Just at the right time, it was gently passing through the world to say goodbye to summer and welcome to autumn. And as she drifted into a deep sleep, she knew in her heart that she was ready. Ready.